Yeah, that's good. And <clears throat> I will. How long have you been running the podcast for? Um, I think this is the f- start of the fifth year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess four years. Wow, man. I know. And it's Jeez. weird. I was thinking about this this morning about how relevancy changes over time. That um, because something's been going for a long time, it seems to have more significance or importance or validation yeah but if I was like oh about three weeks then I'd be like okay mm. cool yeah. yeah 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 or like even those photos that you see that are just like banal a, a street and then you see like a but it was taken 40 years ago and you can see how things changed mm-hmm. like to see that photo at the time or to see it two weeks later or a month later it would be like why did you take a photo of a street <laughs> it's got nothing there's nothing interesting about it and there's nothing yeah. to it and then, like, 40 years later, it's interesting. But then in, like, 300 years, it's going to be totally irrelevant to everybody because no one will have a living memory. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the generations pass much faster than you really think when you're living when yeah. you're living through your lifetime. Yeah. You forget that, oh, that's right, everyone who's on the planet now yeah. will be... All, every one of them is going to be gone yeah. in 120 years, you know? Yeah, even it's the wild. richest ones. You, I, I feel like if we ever solve... Death, if yeah. we have self dying, that we'll know because the queen won't die. I feel like there can't be anyone in the world who's got better access yeah. to like. Yeah, she may be. She may be. The queen might be smarter than wanting to live forever. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to hope. Um, yeah. I mean, shit. That's a gig that you wouldn't want to continue doing for the rest of you. You know, for the end. Just this wave. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. It'd be stressful. She'd replace herself with a robot. Yeah. And then she'd just bounce to one of her um, Commonwealth Islands. Yeah, that would would work. That would work. Uh, So I'm going to ask you about what you're doing and what you hope that that is doing. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all. Or, or like, what do you hope that you're doing? Because I know that we think that we know what we're doing sometimes, but then, like, are we doing that thing? (laughs) <laughs> but I'll start I'll start with a welcome with let's go hello everybody welcome to Wombat Radio today we're in Melbourne we're talking with Anthony Hamilton g'day Anthony hey how are you do you want <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the how are you question because it's in, in Australia it's not really a question it's, it's like saying g'day it's just a yeah if someone's just, like oh actually you know having real trouble at the moment with my digestion and you're like oh yeah why? no no I shouldn't have asked that yeah <laughs> um what are you doing or what are you thinking about or like what is not leaving you alone well what I'm doing I'll tell you what I'm doing okay. at the moment I am doing research okay. um and I'm doing meetings and lots of emails oh, and the reason I'm doing all of that is because uh, I'm not in I'm not in creative development of anything at the moment um even though you know the creative process is always right next to you mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing but um at the moment yeah just sort of forging some new relationships with people getting in touch with some organizations that I want to work with over the course of the next 18 months to 2 years and those people in particular are um a company in Melbourne called Creature Technologies cool who do 
they're, they're famous for doing uh, bigger, like big stadium shows, mm-hmm. like King Kong and Walking with Dinosaurs and stuff like that. Um, and I'm trying to engage them. I am engaging them to do some a bit more experimental uh, animatronic design stuff mm-hmm. for animatronic sculptures. So things that don't look like dinosaurs or animals, but things that just look like objects that have kind of, um, you know, kind of biological properties in the sense that they kind of move in ways that sort of uh, appear to be sort of some may- maybe lifelike. So things I've explored with on a smaller scale with yeah. Alastair Mackendo, yeah. we've explored on a smaller scale the idea of machines that have, yeah, like living, living potential, living qualities about the way they move uh, and try to just explode that and make it a lot bigger for a larger, larger work. Um, so very, very early days, lots of just chatting, lots of just going into meetings and talking and talking about what's the process of um, conceiving um, conceiving a design and then having it fabricated, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a lengthy process. Yeah, and it pulls together a bunch of interests that I've had for years and years since I was a little kid, <laughs> um, like uh, uh, concept art of you know cinema, so science fiction cinema, um, but, but in particular the concept art. So often the, the art that comes before the film, the stuff that the designers do. You know, I used to love that stuff. And I'm sort of just living, I'm living that, you know, I'm trying to live that. Yeah, <laughs> relive, uh, so the concept, the generating of the concept art is not uh, leverage to produce a film. The concept art is the thing. Well, yeah, you know, and yeah, be, well, I mean, it does, it does do that. It is in order to produce materials for a film, but but there's always a huge catalog library of yeah. of extraneous materials that never get used mm. and it's just a lovely it's just I was used to find it lovely to look at how much like all the versions of what ifs you know could, yeah, could yeah, end yeah. up being so that's an interesting process like working with a big company and just but just looking at even just timelines of how how things happen and what's the process who do I talk to because that's a company of like 100 or so people nice. with you know tens of designers and all in different all who have different skill sets. Some are like, you know, um, model makers, you know, real world stuff. Some are, um, you know, hand draft stuff. Some do stuff in 3D CAD drawing, you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, some of them are experts with like the 3D printing, and you know, so it's just like, who do I want to, who do I tap into to do stuff and whatnot? Anyway, so I'm doing that. Where does it cross over between uh, animatronics and puppetry? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know the tech. The well, I mean, for your those, interests, because some terms, things yeah. you've done have, they leverage puppetry, mm. but done in a robotic fashion so that the object becomes alive and seems yeah. to express agency and desire. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, for this, for this piece that, that I'm sort of just laying the foundations for at the moment, it... ideally it would utilize both aspects so things some machines that move independently of Mm -hmm. people manipulating them and other things that also involve manipulation in order to be to be given agency you know or action and um but you know like that the process is also quite 
quite fluid in the sense that I don't really, I mean, I have ideas, but you know, it, with these kinds of things, you always have to be, I think, responsive to what it, what is brought up and what, what possibilities emerge once prototypes and things are started to be, mm-hmm. you know, produced. Because yeah. sometimes they surprise you and they do things you weren't expecting. Um, sometimes they do things much more interesting than you had planned, you know, and it changes your movement language or whatever, because it does always come back to how does it interface with the physical body mm. and what kind of movement language would best support this object or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just, like it, for me, it's just another tool to find, um, well, it's not just another tool, but one of the aspects is it's another tool to find movement language that wouldn't exist without its interaction with the mm. material. Mm-hmm. That's, one, that's one thing I'm interested in with it. And the other is um, is aesthetics. Oh, no, there's another. Maybe maybe let's say there's three. Okay. The second one is an aesthetic interest in um, purely in um, sort of uh, abstract visual design yeah. that doesn't necessarily relate to any um, you know thematic concerns. But then there are there are thematic concerns that come into that um, sort of just by the nature of what we're looking at, like the things that it reminds us of. Mm. Um, And they tend to be, it tends to be the complex relationship between humans and the constructed environment. Um, And who's who's leading what, what, what's in charge, who's in charge here? Is it the humans in charge here? Or is it the world that's constructed around us is actually in charge and it starts to govern? And I don't mean like, I'm not talking about intelligent um, you know, artificial intelligence here. I'm talking about um, systems of uh, existence that we've built ourselves into. You know, um, you know, like if um, like if you're born into a world with traffic lights, you you're in a world with traffic lights. You don't know anything else. You don't get to choose whether to. Obey. I mean, you get to choose whether to obey the traffic lights or not. But generally we will obey them. We tend to obey them because um, it's for our safety and everyone else is doing it and for there's good reasons to. However, we don't get to choose to live in a world without traffic lights. So, um, so yeah, I'm interested in that idea that you, you know, we actually get, we get born into a world that is not, uh, it's not an open slate for new new ways to approach things. There are a range of systems in place and technological um, layers through society that not limit what we do, but um, create create the bed of, you know, or the framework yeah. that we have to lie in. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or even the incentivization structures of what to focus your human potential on mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and things that are not looked upon as technologies outside of academic circles, like um, finance or financial instruments, mm. also being technologies, and mm-hmm. mm. um, a ditch that you build also being a technology because of the way it functions as a drain. And, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. now I remember um, Ivy Warren talking about the theory of the dispositive, which is a an object that is not fulfilling its task until you take up your body's residence in what it's proposing to you. Right. The chair yep. is not yet yep. the chair until you sit in it as a chair. Right. Then it becomes a dispositive. Yes. 
But then I wonder about with animatronics, is is there Annie in animatronics for animals or for the animated? And not sure. Not no, sure. me neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wild speculation is part of the creative process, right? Yes. <laughs> and then I wonder about when there's bodies that are dancing bodies that have had the technology of a training system mm-hmm. placed on the upon them and they're interacting with the same gravitational um, gradient as other objects like are the objects that become animated and the humanized bodies are they moving towards each other in movement aesthetic like do they get closer do we do we without hope can we ever like not humanize the other object that Mm. we're seeing move um yeah that's interesting i think i think from a subjective point of view with me i i think if i look back at the way i used to work i think i was interested in drawing parallels between um the movement of machines and the way that could be replicated on the body Mm. um and i came to realize that that was um what, what i was performing was like a ritual dance to down to the natural environment in in such that ritual dances kind of um respond to uh you know if you okay very broadly speaking ritual mm-hmm. dances sort of respond to natural phenomenon in a way yes or you know they have in the past yes or perhaps um, we just say that all phenomena is natural if we're not taking ourselves outside of nature, mm. then everything even that comes from us as a phenomena is still a natural a sure. phenomena. So Sure, yeah. So that's right, yeah. So and so if dancers kind of tend to respond to phenomena and um, perhaps try and mimic certain aspects of them, mm. um, popping, you know, is a really great example of you can see a point in time, a clear point in time where technology, new technology actually directly influenced the movement language and became a ritual dance because the, nobody, in, nobody before uh, you know, video existed thought about pausing their body in a way that appeared to look mm. um, you know, on a screen or mm. that appeared to look... Um, uh, that hyper-real thing that video and, and stuff like that does. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, um, so, so what I'm saying is I used to be very interested in that and, and in replicating uh, movement language that appeared mechanical mm. on the body. So it was kind of a ritualistic interpretation of the, the, the material world that we live in, in the urban environment. But... More and more, I'm less interested in doing that. I'm more interested in just placing things together mm. in a space. So, so more and more, I get, I, I allow people to be to move, mm, maybe more pedestrian, maybe a little bit more in their own, in their own body, in the way that they would move mm. normally. I say, <laughs> as in, in inverted commas, like what does you know? We don't. What does that really mean? But. Yeah. Their you know, it's habitually. Yeah, giving and giving them less shape, giving the movement less shape. I made a piece last year called "Number of the Machine" at RMIT Gallery, which was that, which is very much that. Um, is a lot of kind of labour kind of movements. You know, just um, moving of materials with a very clear 
um, sort of linear shape to the work, which was to transport these materials from one structure, dismantle that structure and transport it, sort of migrate the structure over to another platform. It starts on one platform and it slowly migrates to another platform. It's really simple. Um, and the movements are very natural in a way. Um, but you're talking about what you were saying before is like, you know, is there a way for us not to imbue in a yeah, way, don't kind of like humanize all things. Yeah. Well, I guess when we're making, when people make machines, they're retrofitting those machines. If we're talking about, if we're talking about robots that do work. Yeah. Even from like airplanes. Yeah. For example, forklifts or. Yeah. yeah. We're retrofitting that stuff into a human world. Yeah. So that's why people, you know, I have asked before, you know, people, why do they make these robots that look like humans? It seems so ridiculous. And that's what, and some, and Alistair, it was Alistair, he actually explained to me that it's because they're retrofitted into a world where stacking boxes in a warehouse is a real job that needs to be replaced. Yeah. Well, it doesn't need to be replaced, but you know, it, it is slowly being replaced. So therefore just replace the same action build a robot that does the same thing yeah. as a human does the time I had that realization was in a Terminator movie right and it was like a Terminator robot driving a truck yeah and I was like oh of course what else would drive a truck but a human yeah shape? the truck's been built for right. a human shaped driver exactly yeah and you could have a you know your liquid your liquid yeah. body thing pointing down to the accelerator <laughs> true, true. and you know you could do <laughs> that medically adjusting yeah. it all yeah yeah um, but yeah so things that aren't there are things that don't that aren't a sort of retrofit, mm. um, but they're usually maybe they're more stationary. Like I'm just looking outside at the sort of air conditioning unit, yeah. you know, that has moving parts and yeah. mechanized components and whatnot, and it doesn't look anything like a person. You know? <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, maybe even beyond the movements of it is the consciousness or the desire that we put into the the other thing so I wonder about this new project that you're working on about um, if if that's something that you have to take care of how people will give the dancers a level of assumed desire and autonomy and uh, agency and how mm. and if they're gonna if the audience will give that same amount to the objects mm. and if you have to colour it or take care of that mm. no I think I think it's all about just, yeah, your careful consideration of how you frame mm. the image that you're presenting. If you put googly eyes on the object, <laughs> yeah. then it makes it look... Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I've always found there are pretty... There are quite sort of direct ways you can, you can encourage the audience to uh, view things in a certain way. Mm. Um, I discovered that I discovered a really powerful technique when I made Black Project One. Um, I, I did find that by by colouring everything one tonality in the space, it does this democratising of organic materials. You know, video, all the everything that was used in the piece sort of was levelled out. Mm. It gave everything this kind of like, and the body ceased to be the central. Um, subject of the work in a way I felt that that happened maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm drawing a long bow like may, maybe I felt that but no one really perceived that I don't know it was certainly something I was interested in and I have felt that using just simple techniques like that like the color palette like just thinking from a design point of view the 
the aesthetic language you're working with can help shape what that relationship is. If all the machines are one color, this is really basic. This is like, you know, let's, this is like, uh, you know, kids TV show, but if all the objects are one color and all yeah. the people are dressed in a different color. It's like football teams. It, yeah, yeah. It's like they're different, you know, and, but that's, a, you know, that's, they're the kind of choices I think about, you know, do we make them all the same color or do we make them different colors or do we um, give them all a label that makes them look like they're part of the same gang, you know, mm. <laughs> or like um, things like that. And then, but I get, I get really fascinated also with ways of connecting the body to the, to the objects as well. Um, are the hands being used, you know, the tool bearers, you know, the yeah. things that we use for everything, are they connected to what, what's going on here? Mm. Maybe some of the objects they're being handheld, maybe others are attached to the back and they're pulling them using different, um, you know, or maybe, maybe there's a machine that's pushing a person around, you know, like, and helping the person move along. So it's those sorts of relationships I'm, I'm interested in, like, looking at. Um, Where I want to, I want to ask you about designing the scenography and the bodies and the space and choreographing the movement of all of those things across time to make a show and what, how that, how those things exist within you, because there are a lot of choreographers that don't have a design eye. Yeah. And then it really is, that's like a whole element that doesn't get considered. And then there's designers that don't know what to do with the human body and the space looks beautiful and the potential of the human body goes unrealized. Mm. And so mm. they seem, they seem like they're feeding each other for you. And that's how you can get an object to do choreography rather than be a puppet that is being puppeteered by a person that's doing the choreography. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I wonder about like how, where does it, where does it start? And when you're in the studio, can you do the things and imagine the objects and the color, or do you need to get into the color so you can see it? And I think it's a bit of both. You know, like I was saying before, um, to a degree, you have to be responsive to what ends up being in the room because mm. you never really can, um, you know, you can imagine things and you can draw pictures and you can make models in 3D, but um, until the stuff is in the room, you don't really know what it's going to do. And so, you know, I like to, I like to think that <laughs> there's, a, there's a degree of um, experimentation and discovery in the actual studio practice. You know, <laughs> I mean, not just turning out shows. Well, I mean, no, I mean work. to be to be very honest. I mean, I've always been maybe stronger at, at conceiving an image and then color by numbers. That you do actually build it that way in okay. a way, and not so much a studio artist who who does the discovery process. A couple of works stand outside of that. Like keep everything. I wanted to. Um, abandon that way of working and do a much more studio kind of experimentation mm. discovery practice you know we just um you're asking questions every day and um you're not hanging on to too much even though it's keep everything you know? <laughs> <laughs> um uh mm -hmm. yeah you don't get but you don't get attached to your preconceived idea of what it was going to be which is something i used to maybe be more attached to so just because you had like you could see it yeah because i could see it manifested yeah, yeah pretty much pretty yeah. much and you knew that Ooh. what you could see was special i thought it was yeah. Or something yeah yeah um and of course i think even with those works there's there is always still that degree of having to be adaptive yeah you know um but you're right you know um you, you sort of hit the nail on the head about 
um, the design and the and the choreography and everything kind of really feeding each other, um, and that's quite a, quite important. I think that there isn't really a central component to to the pieces. Mm. I've always been sort of fascinated with the idea that you make dance pieces where dance is not necessarily front and center. It can be the supporting element. It can be just the just the kind of bones of a visual artwork. Yeah. You know. Um, I think I've just been a, like a, you know, a, like a, you know, what do you call it? Frustrated visual artist, <laughs> you know, or a fr- same. I'm a yeah. frustrated bloody musician too, who's never learned to play a musical yeah. instrument. It's all, I'm all those things. And um, I do choreography and try and get all that shit out as well. Yeah. The other to frustrated is liberated. Like, there's plenty of visual artists at the moment who are trying to perform and don't have the skill set. Right. right. And they're trying to manifest. Yeah, um, yeah. They're trying to somehow sculpt through time. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have yeah. the sensitivity to the nuances of bodies and how they're held and eyes and where they look at what time and Yeah. Yeah, it helps to yeah. To come from the bo- from from uh, a discipline of the body. Um I mean, I don't want to undersell my, my skills as, <laughs> as a visual artist either, because I mean, you know, I have always been interested in um I've always been interested in visual design. You know, that's I think. Well, it's part of that. It's a part of choreo. It's part of making a show. Yeah. I think if you're not in the show, especially when you're not in the show, Mm. most of what's going on for you is that you're watching it. Yeah. And it's doing something to you by watching it. It's a choice, though, of course, to have um, to decide whether you want to work with, um, you know, a sense of form and shape around that or whether you want to abandon it i mean there's a lot of work that abandons design by choice it chooses to be sort of anti anti-design or maybe that's not the right way to put it but um it takes a position on maybe the um the uh, 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 uh <laughs> losing my train of thought maybe maybe it's not uh maybe it's not fighting design in a conscious interesting way it's just not integrated with the design so the next mm. big stage production by uh, like a state star funded company is going to be the same dancers doing the same dancing but there'll be a different large set piece and all the costumes will be the same colour as that piece and that's the level of integration and I would say that they're just as lacking in design consideration or they've done just as poor a job as the people who seemingly reject design because mm. they've failed. It's still, it's somehow worse because it's cost all this money that they could have just paid dancers. Oh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I certainly don't, I'm not critiquing at all or get my, I, this is not my opinion of, of people, other people's work at all. I'm just saying what, what I see, mm. you know, people are interested in. Um, I, I find it fascinating the way people approach uh, the kind of, uh, you know, they approach the sort of threshold of a, of a like a, like a lack of interest in the design, as a as a design choice. I, I find that really interesting. Mm. You know, um, and it, you know, it becomes subject matter of the work. Really, yeah. like, yeah, um, and maybe different people are offended by different things. Like, if you're not visually offended by your space then you're not aware that you want to change it because you don't see that it's distracting to your viewers from your dance work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas if there's... I find this with 
sound there are some people who really notice the harm of a fridge mm, and there's mm. some people that just it just washes over them yeah and i think that's the same in a theater like there's some people who don't notice the hum that the lights make in the sound system and there are other people yeah. that are like this show is not going on mm-hmm. until that is fixed yeah, yeah. that's true and so yeah. it's like somehow what a lot about the artist, too. yeah yeah um yeah it's pretty cool actually um um but you know it's funny because like my approach to design is quite I mean you could call it kind of not flashy but um, <laughs> you know it's it's overthought it's very yeah. like you know well it's not apologetic it's really like yeah. bringing to the fore the vision yeah um, but but I, well, I guess what I mean is it's kind of I've always felt it's quite easy to access for people whereas I'm not I'm not so daring to mm. like be really you know, push the boundaries of whether people think it's designed or not. It's like obviously got a, got a really clear aesthetic language. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, Oh, has he thought about this or not? I can't tell. And it's kind of interesting. Like, no, you've definitely thought about it. (laughs) You know, you care what it looks like. Yeah. You know, and that says something about you. Like the art, it tells people I care about what it looks like. Do you know? Like, um, I do like the question when I see work, do they care? (laughs) I don't know if they care, but I like, I'm interested yeah. Because I don't know. It's definitely you not know? a hipster or homeless kind of situation where someone's no. dressed to look as, no. to look like they don't care. That's and right. Hours into that look. Although I am attracted to that aesthetic. <laughs> that hipster and I kind of, just kind of try and sort of slowly weave it into my work so I can be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just time as well. I remember coming down to see Drift mm. and thinking, well, there's no, like, I didn't think at the time, but you make it clear to me now that this is not a hipster or homeless situation this is quite definitely um like a a, a post-apocalyptic palette yeah going on <laughs> that's here. right and yeah. then there's a world like somebody the artist the choreographer the dancers whatever they've made a clear offer and you can get on board or you can go and be cool somewhere else but <laughs> i like i like a strong proposal mm-hmm. oh that's good <laughs> happy to hear it <laughs> but i remember and when we were at campbelltown you were working with luke and marnie yeah and just had all that reflective tape yeah and the process is like what can this do yeah and then yeah. what looks what what way of doing it looks the coolest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then which choreography do we keep in and leave out in which lighting states mm. so that all of the coolest things stay. Yeah. And it seems like then you saw what the work was doing. Yes. But like first you build the aesthetic world, which is what you're saying about mm. all the concept art, mm. which is you don't like, it's, you really geek out on the opening seat of Blade Runner, having seen the behind the scenes building of like some cardboard boxes and mm. some, dry ice in the space and yeah, shit like yeah. that you know yeah. wow they they fooled me they got me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah there's a pleasure in that too mm-hmm. um and what do you think that all of this is doing like all of this that you're doing yeah do you have a hope of what it well, might be it's, doing like it's, to the world or for you it's feeding my uh my you know my selfish interest <laughs> <laughs> but it means that you're not an asshole because you're like fulfilled yeah 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 that's true that's a nice way to put it yeah <laughs> there's enough yeah. frustrated people in the world that like really just get set off with road rage and yeah yeah I mean look 
Um, at the moment, it's, you know, at the, at the moment, for, for this particular project that I'm working on, which is a very long, uh, it's, a long it's a long period, like, where we don't see an outcome happening for quite some time. Um, it, it's, there's nothing, there's not a huge amount of creative stuff involved at the moment. It's more driving, you know, to go and have a meeting and then have that meeting. It's fairly formal in a way. Um, and do you have to know what you want and then is there like negotiation that has to happen or is yeah. like people just show up with I'm the figuring it out I'm figuring it okay. out as I go I mean you know because that's that's part of the job is like learning how to communicate well with different people and what kind of language they respond to and what kind of motivation they need and how much they you got to pull back and all of that stuff so you think you've worked that out yet no, no, certainly no. not. No, because everyone's everyone's work is like different. Twenty, thirty shows. Yeah, like but everybody's everyone's. But most of those shows are with like independent artists and independent designers and independent what okay. whatevers, who all kind of band together for these little projects, and you know they get the kind of dynamic yeah. and the kind of ecology of those sort of situations. Whereas working with a bigger, much bigger company, it's just different. You've got a kind of you know figure out the way they do things and learn how to speak their language and and i'm also engaging a concept another concept artist from the u.s and i'm doing all of that online so i'm doing it all via email i haven't spoken to the guy once he's just uh, i was following his uh instagram page and i was like this stuff's good like this guy's really i love i love these i can imagine them maybe versions of as some of the sculptures you know Mm. and so i hit him up and um yeah, it's just been via email and I've got to get the language really clear because like we've done me and me and Paula who I work with you know really closely um, being the mother of my children and everything it's quite a close it's quite a close collaboration <laughs> it's know? ongoing as well oh man it goes term. in through the night so, <laughs> not via email we never switch off not via email okay no not, not as often um, but we we made some drawings you know, and then we flung them to this guy in the US and he's looking at them and I'm saying, can you, you know, use this as your kind of guide, but then make all the people in this drawing look like your people, your characters, but in the same sort of like configuration. And the sculpture that I drew in the background, can you make it look like that drawing that you did on that page across between my drawing and yours? Can you do that? You know, (laughs) it's really, it's quite fun, but it's like... um, It's different though, isn't it? It's not like, it's not... In my mind, it's not straight up collaboration. It's more that you are the uh, expert or the craftsman and I'm coming to you with a gig to deliver. Yeah. And what's more fun, I find what's more fun is when you can be equally steeped in something and then mm-hmm. they can then they can propose. Yeah. And but that seems like that's not that's a luxury. Well, yeah, you, I think it's really helpful if you're in the same room for that. You know, like, or at least on, at least in the same, the same city, country. yeah, you know, because like, um, but you know, there are different projects and this one is one of the ones where I really feel like, you know, artistic director mm. and not, um, not a, not a collaborative artist who's, you know, like I'm asking for very specific things from people okay. at, the, at this point. Because you know it's still your I mean? vision. Yeah, yeah. And I think unless I have a really clear vision for this piece, yeah. no one would have a clue where to start because it's not a few ideas um, that are very free-forming and easy to... Um, or I haven't, I haven't really gone into those conversations with these collaborators as 
oh, just do your thing or, or let's talk about this idea. Yeah. No, it's really like, you know, this is what I'm making. I want a big sculpture that looks something like this. Okay. Can we do it? What do we make it out of? Yeah. Now I need your expertise for this because yes. I, I want to make it lightweight, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, so, and I don't mind working that way sometimes, you know. Well, especially I, I, when you've yeah. got a strong vision. Yeah. You're just asking people to come on the team. Yeah. yeah. What, how do you avoid um, when you're working with, objects mm. how do you avoid all of the pitfalls of some terrible shows that you must have seen that also had like prosthetic limbs that were as part of your body and i feel, feel like i've seen a uk show and an australian show that has that and then i've seen these shows with like a sculpture that just sits there and doesn't it's not integrated mm-hmm. like how do you um I guess what do you know what you look out for so that you don't fall into the same hole of lacking integration with the choreography and the show and the design? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of interest, at least a small part of it, has come from seeing works where I feel like that's I really don't like that. I really don't like the way that was done. Yeah, could be so much better. I would, I'd do it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. A little bit. Oh shit! If that was me, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's not the primary driver by any means. Like, my interests are, you know, uh, come from other places. <laughs> more, not, more noble places. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd have to, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was a shred, like, there must be a tiny bit of well, that. you've got to believe that you're a, the, a better person for the job, or the job hasn't yet been done as well as it could be. Yeah, because well, if it had been solved, if it had been achieved. But it's also. Uh, I think um, even more so, it comes from a it comes from a um, a really kind of legitimate place of interest that and uh, from previous works. Like I have, it's not something I'm just trying out, kind of for the first time. True. You know, as a, as a as a gimmick or anything. Having done a couple of works now, <clears throat> sort of investigating that stuff. Um, you find, you find the right or the, you find the ways that you, you think are interesting to engage, to engage those ideas. Um, and I've already, yeah, I sort of learned from meeting and from number of the machine and from another piece I made last year called, uh, natural orders in Canada, uh, and black project one as well. I mean, I kind of discovered, you know, over that time, a relationship of working with materials that's much more. It is integrated, you know, and um, and so I do like it's you know coming into this project. There's an existing language there that's um, feeding into it, and it just means that um, I, yeah, I, I don't worry about falling into things. You don't make things you don't want to make. True. You, you make things you want to make. Yeah. I've I've never had that. I never felt like I really had that struggle too much about. I make something and then I look at it and go, oh, but I don't. Like, but I don't like it, you know, like, cause I just, I wouldn't have made it no. if, if I didn't like it in the first place. <laughs> That's wisdom right there. <laughs> Someone's going to quote you on that one. <laughs> if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> but then you look back and you don't yeah, like it. Exactly. A few years later. But that, isn't that like, oh, like a positive sign of progression of you? Like if you still liked your shit from 20 years ago, you'd be like, Ooh, I'm the same. That's true. Yeah. 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 Perhaps. And the, the rest of the world has moved and I haven't. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What's, um, sounds like a lot of effort. 
all of the like driving this thing and yeah yeah and then even just making shows in the first place like learning how to work with different people all the time Mm. and then hustling for want of a better umbrella term like hustling Mm. yourself to have to be in a creative mindset when you know you've got time deadlines on other things that are more like tangibly deliverable yeah how do you protect uh like space to just stare at a wall or sketch in your book or whatever um uh, or do you ever just go into a studio anymore or do yeah you sometimes just like the music's yeah. on and you're in you just had a shower oh yeah you usually just desktop. have a groove in the living room to be honest um i do do that but i mean i think yeah, I'm not, I'm not driven by one particular discipline so much, you know, any, well, not anymore anyway. The more disconnected I get from sort of company life and having worked as a dancer for companies, um, the less connected I am to that sort of the formalities or the rituals of, of being a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all honesty, I, my life is pretty chaotic. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I think of it as like, I never, I'm not very good at planning. I mean, I'm good at planning projects, okay. I think. And I managed. I usually manage to hit deadlines on those. Um, I, yeah, I, you know what? If I didn't have those deadlines and if I didn't have those major outcomes that I set for myself, I probably wouldn't get anything done. Because when it's just stuff for me, like personal stuff, like just household stuff and domestic stuff, I'm shocking. I'm all over the place. You know, like just I can't. And if I've got a few days off, I waste them. But I don't feel good about it. I don't feel like oh, I had some Zen time. No, I feel like I wasted that by time. Like painting your fingernails or sketching. No, no, by problem. pacing around the house and not knowing what to do, like not knowing which job to do. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. pretty yeah, no, pretty poor at that kind of living. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the dumps that I sometimes see on Insta of just like an entire sketchbook? Oh, yeah. Or like three different images of the same set of lights strapped to someone's ankles or like Oh yeah. How does that is that is this also part of your time wasting or is this like part of the process? No, uh, it's just what did um, you do before Instagram or is yeah. it like someone look at my stuff? Yeah. All of the above I guess, you know. Or maybe there's someone out there following you. It's, it's like, oh, this, this dude's got some good stuff. Let me hit him up for my project. Oh, man. Yeah, th- there's no lie about it. It's just shameless kind of, you know, promotion. Like, really, mostly, that's what Instagram, that's what I use social media for. Mm. I don't really, I mean, and to, I like to, I like to see what other people are doing, mm. you know, creatively and, and just keep, yeah, just keep a bit of a profile out there of stuff that I'm doing. But also, it's, I guess it's just, bits and pieces of sort of rubbish that will never get another airing because um because sketchbooks don't hang on gallery walls i guess i don't know it's like if you you get real famous before you die or (laughs) after you die and they have like a retrospective (laughs) they have like your old love letters and stuff under glass cabinet (laughs) sketchbooks it could happen i can't see that i can't see that happening from your time left (laughs) to make it yeah yeah instagram's funny it's like well, all that social media is just hilarious. I'm always laughing with Mel Lane about it. Oh, yeah. Like, just the, just the process of just looking at stuff. You're just looking at stuff. stuff yeah. Just looking. That's it. Yeah. Just looking at stuff. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's so basic. 
Well, that's why I liked. I did this thing called the GIF project, hmm. the GIF of dance. Yeah. Were you on the list? No. No. I basically like I make dance shows. Hmm. I make one a day, and they get turned into a GIF. And right. It, the GIF gets texted to the audience. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. Directly, and so hmm. there's something that I get to deal with, like the joy of not having to perform the aesthetics of you know, like dropped frame rates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just in the thing itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then not having to wait for an audience to shuffle in and be in my space. That's nice. Not yeah. having to be in a city. But also the, the changes, I think, the just looking at stuff, I hope. Yeah. Because just looking at stuff in a feed somehow is like scrolling a magazine in a doctor's surgery. Mm. Whereas... Mm. There's something about, I don't know, I think that like maybe pre-Instagram was like poster art or something or like graffiti and you'd be like, oh, this is cool thing that I want people to see. I don't care who it is that sees it um, and it's yeah, not yeah. going to be put on stage or whatever. So mm. I just put it on this wall. Mm. So maybe you're just doing the like dad version of graffiti where you can't go to jail for it. <laughs> With Instagram, yeah, with Instagram, it is. It's definitely a, a dad version of something. <laughs> it's a, it really is. Yeah, is there? It's like, look, I used to be sort of cool. <laughs> Who to? To yourself? To your kids? When it gets archived in the future? No, just you know, anyone, anyone, <laughs> anyone. anyone. Is there um, something that you feel like you've worked out? Um, or like something you're trying to remind yourself of or an epiphany or creative like with the work that I make you mean or being in the world making work at all uh, seeing the world as a person no not really I mean yeah I mean yes of course you slowly accumulate knowledge Uh, and it's that probably quite a standard response which is the more you, you know the more you learn the less you know definitely those things sort of ring true to me um but each day is a kind of um new hurdle yeah like i feel that you know you just move through each day and uh manage it you know i definitely live one day at a time you know like i even on your multi-year projects are you often like looking years ahead yeah 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 i do but I think even when you do that, I think it still feels like the best way to approach it is just go one day at a time, yeah. put one step in front of the other. Yeah. Um, you can't do the thing that you're going to do in August next year now. you got to wait till August. So just wait. <laughs> and then there's like the anxiety builds where you should be doing things that will make that thing better or capitalize yeah. on it or make yeah. more people know about it. Or yeah. I remember Joshua Thompson once saying to me that you can be anything. Like if you want to be a dancer, you can be a dancer, but you have to decide every day that right. you want to be a dancer. Yep. And I re- that's when I realized that I didn't decide that every day. Like I decided it some days and then other days I'm like, oh, I want to do other shit. I want to make some music or I want to listen to people blow my mind with the way that they've been working. Or- mm-hmm. Well, I mean... You can be a dancer every third day, and, <laughs> but you'll be that. That's how that's how good you'll be as well, you know, or yeah. whatever. Or you, that that's your physical language will sort of maybe show something about that amount of time you spent. Maybe I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, I'm always. I, I don't think. I don't really think there are too many rules about it. You should. I think. Um, what's interesting is that the different 
outcomes you get, the way different people work. I mean, you know, just going like, you know, going to the Kia. Did you, were you here when the Kia no, was on? Or, and you missed it in Sydney because it's yes. on now. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, like it's a strange kind of um, event. I've always thought it's strange. Um, however, as a platform, it's unique, you know, in in Australia because it really does get quite an unusual cross-section of work. You know, it's not curated on a particular, um, you know, a particular sort of uh, subset of people's, you know, interests or it seems to be curated on who's doing something interesting right at this moment. The choreography. Yeah. But yeah. across them, the language is really, really quite radically different. Yeah. And I don't just, know that. I might challenge you on that one yeah, for okay. the sake of an interesting conversation. Yeah that it's the people already working in quasi-academic dis- discourse circles mm. who are going to apply in the first place because it's a visual art institution to mm. have a, an art competition. And I think that some of the most radical um, choreographic advancement and movement advancement and interest is not coming from people who get paid to dance. It's often coming from people who like that's true. use dance as a survival tool. That's true. And they're not in like they're not in a position to even know about or be think that it's their space, let alone like put it on stage. It would kill it to put it on yeah, stage. Yeah, I still think within the range of what within the range of, of artists that you're talking about who mm. do get um, you know, a look yeah, in true. there's still quite a quite a range of different interests mm. and then you get down to the fine pointy end of what we talk about difference mm. you know because you're right i mean it all exists within particular um you know societal sort of yeah. set of like it's quite people. accidental you must have like met someone who made a living from dancing before you realized that it was an option oh i don't maybe know maybe that's actually. just me because yeah. i thought that it was like a thing that you did in mm. between time uh, and right, so I right, met right. like Nick Power and I Organics see. and I was like oh what you don't mm. do anything else maybe I can also mm-hmm. game the system and not do something else yeah 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 I see yeah, yeah. but like if I, that was that was an accidental meeting mm. and if not that then I would like I would be hobby dancing mm. still thinking that that's what everyone does there's yeah. like a, an exposure and I also imagine that a cross-section is quite a um, artificial construct. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That isn't, like, that, that has to fight against meritocracy in some respects. Mm. Of, like, how long and to what extent have you been uh, working through this thing that you're working on? And mm. then how topical is it at the moment across the discourse of who has the loudest voices? Mm. Because if it's not then it's hard to gauge what the merit of your work is. Well, you know, uh, you know, a platform like the Kier might respond to a particular community, but it also yeah. reinforces a particular community. So maybe that's, uh, you know, just the point. I mean, mm. there, are, there are all, yeah, there are all kinds of different uh, communities that engage with dance in different ways, I suppose. And yes, you're right. This, you know, the, the contemporary dance sphere is a particular one. Yeah, um, that is like con- continually borrowed from and then infiltrated by people who are more busy with anything other than the movement itself. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, most dancing and most dance communities are filled with people who want to do the dancing. 
Right, yes. And contemporary is not one of those mm. communities. It's filled with people who want to do the talking and the writing and the thinking and the recreating and the mm -hmm. problematizing, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, it's like it's just particular. I wonder. Yeah, that's how right. It's part. It's right. It's part of the. Uh, it's part of the the cultural, you know, yeah. merits in a way of the of yeah, that art that's form. Nice. That's true. Um, how did you find going to Canada and doing that long thing that you're on with the dance makers? Fantastic! Amazing. It's just like for an organization to support a single artist over three years mm. is, I don't know anywhere else that does that. Yeah. And I've never heard of it. It's like setting a, new, setting a new bar for mm -hmm. what, what an artist can achieve if, if given that, that consistency of resources and then what also setting a bar for what an institution can offer yeah. and can value. Yeah. And it has been very valuable for me. Um, because it has it has allowed me to sort of uh, really forge some really lovely new relationships with with mm. new artists and a new organisation and um, you know maybe on this I've got one more residency this year mm. and in summer in summer nice. which is just amazing <laughs> well done yeah it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I think I'll go to a little bit more effort this year to try and maintain some sort of connection and maybe try you know trying to thread dance makers toronto to some organizations here in melbourne because cool. i think there are things that perhaps we could be doing here that are similar um but i mean i know because you know we do host international residencies and um, certainly workshops and things like that dance house lucy Karen, mm. you know yeah but yeah I don't know, it's, it's a good model that they're running over there do you dance for other people still? Or... No one's asked me. <laughs> I think there's a thing that happens, mate, where... Tell me if you don't think. It's just like the idea that I've had that as mm, generations move through and a new generation starts getting resources to make work, they're intimidated to ask the generation that taught them. Maybe. Or they think... I don't know. I, well, I know one thing I do, yes. and maybe it's not great, um, but I, when I, whenever anybody comes through the VCA, for example, mm. if they start making work really soon, in my mind, I kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to go near them because I, I don't want to taint what they're doing. Mm. So I go, all right, well, you're a maker. So if you work with me, you know, there's too much crossover. I'll yeah, I'll infect yeah. you with something, you know, and <laughs> I want you to have your vision sort of you know as kind of like free of um influence you know as possible because then you'll do something that's yours and it'd be great um but it's a, just a, it's just a stupid sort of like <laughs> rationale that i've made up in my head you know and i so i yeah. do find it, i like to let makers um just do their thing and i, I tend yeah. to not really work with them that much i have occasionally you know um it's then, but then there are some partnerships which are a little bit more long, long-standing, like with Melanie Lane. You know, mm -hmm. we will continue to collaborate together. I'm sure we don't have any projects in the pipeline, but we both make work independently as well. You yeah. know, but we do stuff together sometimes. She doesn't ask you anymore. She just—it's like an unwritten. We were gonna do. Thing. She asked me to do this duet, and we did a um, we did a creative development for it. It's the first stage. And I was really into it. I thought it was really good. I was like, when are we gonna do that again? You know, and she sort of always goes, oh. 
I don't know, you know. I know. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you feel. I thought it was really good. Yeah, you're keen. I'm up for it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. But have you asked people on your projects that had that had come before you, like that you had either worked for or that you looked up to that a generation or two older than you? Oh, certainly. Yeah, certainly. The the first kind of like major work that I made, Blaze Blue One Line, mm. I asked Luke Smiles and Byron Perry mm. to do it. And um, Byron ended up getting injured just before the premiere, so I had to actually replace him. But it was meant to be the two of them. And yeah, they were, you know, really kind of my... Um, they were my idols, like going through uni. Like they were the ones who I wanted to be like, you know. Mm. So just just meeting them and then becoming friends with them was like ridiculous. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't believe it. It was like, this is crazy, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it was cool. You know, it was, it was really, but, but yeah, so that did happen, but that's only because, you know, we had forged a friendship mm. as well. So you're right. It might not have happened had I not had that. Do you think there's um, people or organizations or situations like that? for you anymore that I'm just thinking for myself is there anyone that I am excited about from a distance right. and if we met I'm yeah. like oh yeah it's happening yeah yeah, <laughs> or, yeah very interesting or is it changed for me and the yeah like is that not possible anymore like, do I need to find some people that I would be excited to meet so that when we meet them, I can be excited. I think the only way that that's possible for perhaps your generation, anyone younger than you, is um, find someone who's more private because in a way, by living, you can live, you can live the life of your, of your, um, you know, your yeah, favorite celebrities or whoever yeah. Yeah. because they share their goddamn bedroom with you. True. Online, you know, so yeah. there is this thing of... Um, yeah, not when mystery, someone's got a new girlfriend, you're like, okay, yeah. what's her name? And then you... You already know. Like, already I mean... You've already seen her in a bikini. When, yeah, so when you in see shots. people... When you see people um, in social environments these days... I mean, I feel it I feel it very kind of acutely because I remember before. Yes. You, you don't ask people what they've been up to anymore because you know what they've been up to. <laughs> you already true. know. Yeah. It's just I love it when they thing. come, they just come out, someone you haven't seen in years. I'm like, how mm. was that thing last week? And you're like, oh, fuck, my, I'm part of your life. Yeah. But it's not reciprocal. And then there must be people like yeah. that, that they are part of my life. Yeah. And I'm never a thought to them. That's right. Wow. Mm. It's very strange. It changes the whole dynamics of the way people interact <laughs> in real world, in the real world, you know? Well... I'm impressed that you still go to heaps of shows, actually. I'm on, I go on and off. You okay, know, you have like, a sp- uh, like a spurt. Yeah, them. yeah. When the, when my kids were all born over the last, like, you know, from 2010 to around 2004, let's say, five, 2005, I didn't really go out very much, you know. I missed loads of stuff. The world kind of changed around me, you know. Mm. I mean, I was still making stuff at the time, but I never really had time to go and see stuff. But so I've, I've sort of been venturing out again lately, you know, trying to go more often and see more stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love what I'm seeing. I love all the work that's being made right now. Being interested is like a professional act of defiance. Like, it's well, not... I don't think it's um, accidental or the natural course of things. 
to mm. like stay interested over time with new generations that come through mm. I think that's like uh, something to be commended or something to be sought after yeah but is it just are you like accidentally just really keenly interested or you're invested in these people because you know them or no no I'm not invested in are you invested you know in what? dancing I'm not in, no I'm not invested in the people or the dancing <laughs> or the da- <laughs> I mean I'm invested in um, seeing what humans are thinking like now you know when yeah. they're 20 or 25 you know I'm I, like I don't get it like I, I mean I, you know I try to get it but I, this is what I was saying before I, I have all, all these questions about you know these is this person like doing this on purpose or are they not you know like I don't get yeah. the work yeah, yeah, yeah. like there are parts of it that I understand and there are parts of it that are a bit of a mystery and that mystery is what draws you you know like I don't find it repellent or anything like I love it I love um, yeah that people are sort of without even knowing it people are shaping a different um, language and a yeah. different sort of aesthetic and everything yeah. um, I mean of course they know what they're doing I'm not saying they don't know what they're doing but oftentimes you know you make things without really seeing the bigger picture or the, the way you fit within to a whole you know community or whatever community of, of um, ideas um yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see it and try and try and kind of unpick it, you know, and know mm. what's the con- what their concerns are, you yeah. know. Because anybody who's making art, anyone who's making art, even if you don't like it, they are doing it because they uh, they give a shit. Because otherwise, they wouldn't do it. No, no one makes art because they're bored, just because they're bored, or you know, or because. Um, because so they have to. They don't do it because they have to. They fucking want to, you know? Which means, like, I think that's important to always remember. Anyone who's making stuff gives a shit. Mm. Even so, and that's a good way to watch, to look at work. You made this because you care about this. And you care about my experience. Even if my experience sucks. Even if you're trying to make it suck for <laughs> me. You care. And so I'm interested in knowing why you want to make it suck for me. I want to know why, you know? Um, what are your concerns about the world? You know, it's fascinating stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I just realized in you talking about that, that I don't extend that same generosity to some companies. I don't assume that the, the lead choreographer or the dancers still care. Sure. Well, they care. They might care about something else, but that's still something you can navigate and interrogate, I think. Yeah. They might care about... Um, the perpetuation of the company. The perpetuation of the company. Yep. The yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's the profile of something, or um, yeah. you know, the the, the the better training of their dancers. Who knows? You know. Yeah, it's true. But you can sort of figure out their motivations, mm. right, by watching what they produce. No matter where the work is coming from. Yeah, the um, mystery is really the reward, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that? Do you know what is your, like, main question? Like, your primary question at the moment that everything's circling around? Um, If someone came uh, and saw your work and they're like, oh, he really cares about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in my my work, like, I don't know. (laughs) Or just in your efforts, like, in the world. Mm. Um, Like, I like to think about... The before and the after. If there's ever a thing, there was a time before it and there'll be a time after it. There'll be a time after Melbourne. Mm. 
exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah. all of this mm. that that does something for me that releases yeah. the need to maintain normalcy or yeah. whatever. If there was a time before and a time after. There'll be a time after alcoholism. Mm. So maybe I don't have to deal with it right now <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, can you just reframe your question again? Yeah, of course. It's like, what is, what is your question that your efforts oh, right. yeah. are like anchored in or circling around? Or Well, I, I do like, you know, I do enjoy kind of reading a lot of popular kind of philosophy, you know, I say popular philosophy and, um, you know, historical theory and stuff like that about, um, you know, where like, you know, where we've come from and where we're going. Yes. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty, I, I like to think about, I like to think about the kind of, um, the, I guess how sort of fast things are moving Mm. and how quickly cultural normal sort of situations are, um, maybe eroding without us realizing it. And, Mm. um, it's kind of interesting. I feel like we're on a very, we're on a very sort of steep, you know, ramp going yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Pascal Berry? No. He uh, is Sydney-based. He runs okay. Blacktown, curates at Blacktown Arts Centre. But he yeah. was saying that the thing that worries him about this is not how far we'll go, but how far back we'll swing mm. once we slide all the way into the dissolving of all cultural norms and mm. uh, assumptions. And mm. that th- because that seems to be historical inevitability right that however far we swing left we'll swing back right towards mm. the side I think people people have often thought that my work my creative work is sort of um, pessimistic but mm. I, I don't I don't think it is like I don't see myself that way at all I'm actually quite um, well, yeah you keep going to work you must be like to see yeah. work you must be pretty optimistic yeah and I, I really think that individuals will figure it out and they just figure it out as they go as I said one step in front of the other mm. and it's a daily practice mm. living is a daily practice you know um, all our best intentions for where we want to arrive in 10 years uh, really don't amount to anything unless we get out of bed tomorrow and mm. do so I think I don't know I'm really I, I believe I do actually I'm quite optimistic and I do believe in people I believe in the decisions that they make and even I even believe in their um, sort of um, the passiveness of them in the face of uh, you know external forces like technology you know like I'm, I'm kind of okay with the idea of them just like receding and falling back maybe it's time for humans to just fall back you know and that's okay too um, it's kind of could be an interesting direction and that something else continues well maybe maybe no not necessarily not necessarily maybe but maybe it's just that things slow down and there, mm. there isn't this like um neomania yeah 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 there's somehow a way to know the self by the change that has happened mm. and then the the when that becomes your normal way of measuring time and achievement is by change Mm. and then change slows then it really undermines your value system Mm -hmm. 
I remember I was speaking with some um, BCA third years last night and they told me that just this week the bathrooms at the dance school got changed to gender neutral bathrooms. Okay. And I had never considered it. Yeah. Um, but I do know that the few times that I've been lucky enough to go and train in Europe, that was just the way that it was. Right. The change room. Like there was a big change room. Yeah. And But then I thought like about sweaty teenagers all sharing different change rooms and actually it kind of is, might be nicer to not be in the boys change room <laughs> yeah. or yeah. in like small country towns it's actually a good thing for there to be a, a female only zone mm. for some people so it feels like context is forgotten mm-hmm. in the face of like of individualization and change and that you, sh- you deserve the same thing everywhere you go but maybe you don't yeah maybe, maybe a lot of kind of a lot of uh, ideas like this sort of emerge from the urban environment possibly I, yeah. I don't I don't know I mean I don't know enough about well there's also about something that. about in the urban environment you're in an environment that was designed for you mm. and so you feel like walking requires this much effort but that's when it's flat and it's paved mm. and there's handrails and it's dry and there's not debris that you have to look out for. And you go walking across someone's paddock and there's divots and shit. And then all of a sudden you remember that walking is an arduous task mm. for most of human history. Mm. And then when people say that all our ancestors used to do was walk and they didn't jog and do sit-ups and shit, well, actually walking was a lot. Yeah, through jungle and yes, shit. And yes. Occasionally <laughs> sprinting away from something or towards something. And yeah. There's yeah. like a... We use the same word now for things that are not the same. Mm. Right. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I think that about dancing, uh, it's really interesting to hear you talk about the cultures and traditions around being a dancer and how if you're, n- if you're not doing that full-time in that construct, then finding out which traditions you're going to keep up mm-hmm. and which traditions you're going to let go of. Yeah. And then how much of that is for your like professional proficiency and how much is for your own emotional self-care mm-hmm. yeah. so there's something about that I, I, I'm interested about the unravelling and like the acceptance of change and the acceptance of the mystery that keeps being flung in your face when you go and see shows but also yeah. being able to know where you're at and what you do Mm-mm. yeah Jerome Bell once said it's sort of like going to contemporary art seeing contemporary art in general is like a it's it's basically gambling, you know. Mm. With like twenty bucks or forty bucks or whatever the yeah, ticket price it's is. Gambling where and it's so similar to gambling in in that you almost always lose. <laughs> <laughs> and but then, does the house win? And then occasionally, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe not. But then occasionally, you win. You big. get the jackpot yeah. and you see something that you know changes your life. Yeah. You know, and you never forget it. You know, so the massive wins, but there's very few and far between. Do you know a show like that? Um, like for me, Tungy Wai, it was made by Victoria mm-hmm. Hunt. Yeah. Blew me away. Yeah. That whole year, there was no other show I remember seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, for me, there's definitely been a few. Um, I was a huge fan of Ivo Dimchev from, uh, he presented a solo work in Tanzim August in 2000. N, maybe called some, some faves. faves i saw that same season did you yeah, yeah. that rocked my socks off i absolutely loved it 
wasn't it? And then I, ha- I was so split about that because one of my friends from Finland, and the mm. Finns are known for being quite stoic and tough yeah. and shit, in a workshop made her cry. And I thought, right. what a fuckhead. <laughs> Can I support someone who makes such, like that, that particular solo? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was the best thing I saw at Impulse Dance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I, then I was like, does that condone? Yeah. Like, is there a way to be a genius without being a dickhead? Of course. I hope so. Yeah. But, you know, all dickheads are forgiven and they're geniuses, <laughs> aren't they? It seems. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that's what, like, the whole TV series of House is built upon, right? Uh-huh, yeah. It's like... Well, yeah. I haven't watched any of that, well, so I'm it, agreeing with you, okay. but i <laughs> The general idea is that he is in some pain from an injury and mm. so he's being an asshole to everyone but because he's so useful as a diagnostician mm. people just deal with it right yeah 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 but i feel like you actually don't have to but i understand like maybe there's this there's this catch too where you get to a certain level of proficiency or intelligence and you have to suffer the fools around you mm. because that your suffering increases <laughs> because you really see that something that should be so obvious is no longer then it's the time to maybe remove yourself from yourself from the yes. environment not drag people to somewhere with you necessarily True. perhaps um, perhaps you know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be respectful of your time thank you very much thank you Matt it's good to chat what a pleasure oh, thanks man that was good yeah I like hearing I like hearing that